Good mid-February day to everyone, and thanks for joining us again for the QSR Web Podcast, a weekly check-in with some of the limited service leaders that make the fast food world go round. I'm Shelley Whitehead, editor of QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace, and I'm very happy you're listening today because the man at the top of the longtime chicken and biscuits QSRs, churches, and Texas chicken, CEO Joe Christina is sitting down with us in a few minutes to talk about the paths of those two sister brands as they march into the future. But first, we're going to briefly delve into a subject that has become increasingly important for all restaurant brands, and that is the use of whole grains. That's just ahead after this brief message. At the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit, executives from leading brands will share their success stories of the numerous ways they have innovated to grow their franchises. Attendees will gain insight and inspiration to help them be more progressive in every facet of their businesses. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. Okay, and welcome back now as we get a little granular, as they say, on whole grains. Specifically, the sizzling hot trend of whole and ancient grain usage in limited service. And to help us with that subject is an expert on all things grain, Caroline Slider, Program Director at the Old Ways Whole Grain Council. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk with you today, Shelley. It is our pleasure. And the council itself is kind of interesting. So for those who aren't familiar with your organization and how it can help those in food service, can you give us a little overview? Sure. The Old Ways Whole Grains Council is one of the programs run by Old Ways, which is a nonprofit nutrition education uh, organization. And the Whole Grains Council specifically uh, works on encouraging whole grain consumption. And so that means uh, working with consumers to help educate them about the health benefits, um, how to cook and prepare them. But it also means working closely with chefs and food service operators, as well as manufacturers to, you know, tweak formulations to include more whole grains. So the Whole Grains Council acts as a trusted source for whole grain information. We offer information about culinary applications. We offer recipe tips. Um, We kind of break down the nutrition benefits and provide information about ingredient sourcing. Um, And we host two big promotional events every year, um, which offer opportunities for members working in food service to participate with us. And that is the whole grain sampling day event in march it's happening on wednesday march 27th this year and we're gonna come circle back around on sampling day shortly but i'm wondering if you can tell me how many varieties of whole grains are actually in use today in the world sure so the encyclopedia of whole grains that we created um, and have up on our website um, includes 20 different commonly recognized types of grains um, including things like barley corn but a lot of these kind of high level categories um, include a large number of distinct species and varieties and strains and there are new ones that are being developed all the time so if you think about just wheat 
there's a huge number of species that make up the genus Triticum, which we commonly call wheat. And within different species, there are numerous strains. Lots of consumers don't realize that bulgur and einkorn and farro and emmer, spelt, these are all different varieties of wheat. And similarly with millet, what's commonly referred to as millet at the grocery store is actually generally proso millet. But there is a huge number of millet varieties that are grown around the world, including phonio and test, foxtail, pearl millet, finger millet. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint an exact number, but there, there are lots of grains out there and um, they, uh, many of them have a rich culinary tradition in the places where they have kind of traditionally been a part of the, the local cuisine. And that encyclopedia, is that online? Is that something that folks who are interested could tap, tap into and just learn a little about? Our website is wholegrainscouncil.org, and we have a section of our website called Whole Grains 101, and our encyclopedia is called Whole Grains A to Z, so it's easily accessible for anyone who's curious. I can see a lot of pizza restaurateurs, especially maybe checking that out for dough possibilities. It sounds fun. Mm -hmm. I, I know I'm going to be checking it out. What are proven to be some of the most popular brands with restaurant brands for their menus? I think probably the most famous grain to kind of rise to fame in the restaurant and service world um, has got to be quinoa. I think due to its versatility and its growing popularity among consumers, it's become a real staple for the fast casual crowd. And in recent years, we've seen it popping up in restaurants like Wendy's and Chick-fil-A, um, who are kind of experimenting with ways to incorporate it into salads and multi-grain buns. In general, ancient grains are kind of at the top of the charts when it comes to whole grain trends. Consumers are really fascinated by the histories behind these grains, and chefs have very quickly embraced all the benefits that those varied textures and colors and flavors can offer to their dishes. As cooking shows and travel blogs have really taken off, uh, I think consumers have become more conscious of where their food comes from and have just kind of opened their adventurous uh, spirit when it comes to food, and there's a growing culinary curiosity in ingredients that really have largely been ignored by Western cuisines until recent years. And we're seeing these ingredients showing up in everything from baked goods to soups and side dishes and, of course, salads. It's interesting because you almost get a story with your food um, when you start looking into these ancient grains and um, and in some of the more obscure whole grains that you've mentioned. But I'm wondering, are these types of grains really feasible for limited service and, and even quick service brands that have, I mean, they're operating on very thin margins and they have to have standardized cooking. So, you know, that these are things that don't constrain higher end, slower service models. So I'm wondering, are whole grains something that can be incorporated relatively simply into QSR brands' menus? I think that there's kind of a, a common 
uh, apprehension about how long the grains are going to take to cook and are you going to have to kind of make them on demand. And it turns out that a lot of grains like quinoa and amaranth, bulgur, whole wheat couscous, whole wheat pasta, um, these grains cook in 20 minutes or less. So it's it's not a big, say, white rice, which should be a, a common part of the production uh, schedule already. And the other great thing about intact grains is that they can often be cooked in advance and either refrigerated or frozen um, up until they're really needed, which makes it in easy to incorporate these ingredients into quick service production. We do have a few tips to offer to giving it a try. I think whole grains make a really great carrier for dressings and they add value to bowls. Salads and bowls seem to be really popular among um, consumers today. And I think they kind of bulk up the satiety of the, of the meal and they certainly offer a nutritional benefit. For chilled grain salads, you can always cook the grains for a few extra minutes so they kind of bloom or burst, which prevents them from hardening and it helps them to soak up a dressing and stay really moist and um, appealing. Interesting. Um, whole grains are also a really easy way to add both fiber and protein to a dish. I think those nu nutrients are very appealing to customers today, and that's a great way to market your dish. In general, whole grains tend to have about 25% more protein than refined grains. If you're holding cooked grain hot, then stirring in a little bit of liquid every 30 to 40 minutes prevents them from drying out. And then the other fun idea that uh, we like to, to toss there is that toast or pop or puff grains like buckwheat and amaranth, um, even wild rice, and you can incorporate those as like a crunchy topping on a soup or as kind of a substitute for croutons in a salad, adding kind of an unusual eye-catching crunch to your meal. Wow, so many great ideas. I, I can hear the wheels turning. If you particularly can think of an opportunity for a quick serve or maybe a pizza brand that you'd love to see happen on the food service scene, but you haven't seen yet. In general, I just want to see more whole grains on more <laughs> menus. We've seen a huge increase in consumer understanding of uh, the nutritional benefits, but also um, in the taste benefits. Consumers are increasingly seeking out whole grains for their flavor and telling us that that's one of the reasons they choose whole grains over their refined grain counterparts. So I think there's nothing to lose in getting some of those options on your menus. There are so many ways to do it. I think there's there are great ways to incorporate it into any type of menu, whether you're a fast casual restaurant serving bowls or you're a pizza brand. And as you spoke of this, I thought that sampling day is coming up. What a perfect opportunity. So tell us about the whole grain sampling day, how restaurant brands can get involved and just how to have some fun with it. We have lots of information about Whole Grain Sampling Day on our website at wholegrainscouncil.org slash sampling day. So far, we've got folks from uh, uh, 37 different states who have signed up. So this really is a national event. And these participating partners include supermarkets, restaurants, college and university dining halls, health organizations, hospitals, food bloggers, We've already got 
152 confirmed events on our map, and that number is growing every day. You can see that map on the Sampling Day webpage. And our overarching goal is simply to encourage people to try whole grains. Perhaps they're trying a new type of grain that they haven't um, eaten before. Perhaps they're trying you know, a different preparation, a different way of eating oats, for instance, you know, thinking outside the box and going beyond oatmeal or giving teff a try because they've seen a cooking show that talked about um, injera, which is a, the traditional spongy bread of Ethiopia. So it's about kind of experimenting, going outside your comfort zone and trying something new and, and really celebrating the goodness of whole grains. And the day of uh, sampling day again is what, what day in March? It's Wednesday, March 27th. It's a great way to kind of wrap up National Nutrition Month. I have one last quick question, and that's what's your favorite whole grain these days and, and your favorite way to eat it? This is a really hard question. It's hard to pick a favorite <laughs> um, because grains all have such distinct characteristics and different applications. I tend not to stick to just one, but recently I have been eating a lot of farro and I really love its satisfying chewy texture. It's got kind of a, a subtle nutty flavor. And so it works really well either as a simple warm side dish, perhaps with herbs and a little olive oil, but it also really shines in a cold salad with lemon juice and asparagus spears and uh, maybe a little bit of radish for some bright color. It's very versatile and just really satisfying, especially in a cold night when you're looking for something to really fill you up. Wheels are turning. I, I personally cannot make up my mind, frankly, between I, I do love quinoa and I do love amaranth. But fortunately, I don't have to pick one because I'm the person asking the questions in this particular <laughs> instance, which is, is the benefit of that. But this has been so interesting, and I hope you get a lot of participation in Sampling Day. It's a great organization, and I just want to thank you very much for stopping in to tell us more about it and this subject. Thank you so much again for the invitation, Shelley. It was a pleasure. We'll be right back. So hang in there, listeners. Joe Christina with Churches is next. Many of the fastest growing and most successful chains in the restaurant industry are embracing innovation throughout their operations. These forward-thinking brands are constantly looking for the next innovation. New technologies, new menu items, new marketing tactics, new training programs, etc. that will propel them to even greater heights. Come and learn these innovations at the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. Welcome back. And with us today is Churches in Texas Chicken CEO Joe Christina to talk about a brand that is very much on the move, both here in the U.S. and internationally. Welcome, Joe. Well, thanks, Shelley. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on all your success. Oh, bless your heart. Well, you know, I tell you what, I've been watching this brand, and I've seen in recent weeks where you're expanding in Canada, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? Where exactly is both churches and its Texas chicken counterpart overseas heading in the next 12 months or so? Well, it's a really exciting time for churches and the Texas brand. We're expanding 
in many markets. On the domestic side, we're going through a re-imaging program and, and also building new restaurants where, where our guests are really looking for our great taste in chicken and biscuits. But on the international side, uh, it's really an exciting time for the brand. We are, uh, the Texas chicken brand is in the Middle East and in Asia. That's where the bulk of our growth is coming from, especially in Asia, uh, where chicken is just the, the, the most favored protein and, and we've got a great footprint in, in Asia. So, uh, countries that we're growing in in the Asia market, we should, should see a significant growth in the next couple of years with the goal to just open a hundred restaurants every year, uh, in those markets. And then, when we move west and start talking about Canada, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and other parts of the Caribbean, we see our brand thriving also, especially in Canada and Mexico, where uh, our growth engine is and our franchisees are, are really looking to expand the brand. Uh, and uh, our chicken is, is very well received in those areas. We've got a great heritage in, in Mexico and Canada, and we're going to uh, grow those markets uh, significantly over the next couple of years. And I assume those are very different markets, Mexico and Canada, and they how are, you approach uh, them. Yeah, they, they are. Um, but, it, you know, the, the brand has been long. Our, our first international market outside of the United States uh, was in Vancouver. And we've got uh, restaurants up there that have been operating since the uh, late 80s and do very, very well for us. And then we recently started to expand more aggressively on the eastern part of Canada in Toronto, and uh, we see that uh, our franchisees there are doing very well. Mexico, we've got a great group of franchisees. One of them uh, has been with the system uh, for a long time and has grown that brand uh, down there. And while we look at it and, and uh, you know, our, our guests that come to churches, whether it's internationally or domestically, are looking for great food uh, in a great environment, and both Mexico, Canada, and other places around the world uh, were very well accepted by our guests. Awesome. And um, I'm wondering, Joe, what you've learned about the strengths of these brands in the time since you first stepped into that head office, and how the brand is using those strengths to grow its position in, in what is a very competitive chicken QSR category. It, it is very competitive. And I think one of the, the great things that we've done over the last two years is really dove into what the brand should look like, both domestically and internationally. And it started with our Texas brand uh, in Asia and the Middle East. Uh, internationally, uh, the history with churches has been, and the Texas brand is just pretty much our, our footprint, our design, our menu uh, for the international business has, has copied the uh, domestic business, image, um, marketing, uh, our uniforms, all those things have been a copy of what we've been successful at domestically. And over the last two years, we have been doing a real uh, look into our international business and what the brand future looks like. And, and we've, through uh, extensive research, uh, on-the-ground research, talking with our franchisees and our great vendors, we've come up with a brand positioning on the international side uh, that is going to be launching this year 
that looks at everything from the restaurant image to what our guests want. Uh, how do we, uh, you know, go after those guests with the great Texas chicken um, and the flavor of Texas and that boldness that our international guests are looking at. And, and, and we are beginning this year to launch that internationally around our new restaurant design, new marketing, new um, uh, training, and also new uniforms. And those franchisees are going to be uh, growing with a more robust uh, Texas brand that really is both locally and and for our brand, uh, very exciting. Uh, we've also done a lot of research on the international side around what our guests want to eat. What's that bold flavor that they're looking for? And, and we're very excited because we've been doing research in all of our markets around that, that great flavor that our guests are looking at, whether it's in Thailand or Singapore or, or the Middle East. And we've been able to work with our, our uh, culinary uh, vendors as well as our teams here and our franchisees to come up with a menu that will drive guests in for that great flavor that they're looking for locally. So on the international side, great excitement coming over the course of this year. On the domestic side, uh, we're in the middle of a re-image program and our restaurants are looking great and we're seeing great results from those re-images. So the brand launch here uh, domestically is going to be more around that marketing tone, uh, our packaging, our uniforms, so that the, the guest that comes in can feel a, a little differently with the restaurant while enjoying that re-imaged restaurant and what that brings to the, to the competition. So I feel like we're on a really good path, uh, both internationally and domestically, to, to be able to service the guests and what they want to eat and how they want to eat it, and then also um, be able to use our franchisees and our vendors' great um, insight to continue to grow the brand. It's fascinating uh, to, to imagine the way that the brand takes shape internationally and the flavors that you're coming up with. I might have to explore that with you at another time, <laughs> a little bit more in depth. But I'm wondering, um, Joe, how your experience in on-site store management and as a Burger King franchisee at one time, made a difference in what you do as CEO day to day. Yeah, that was a fun time for me. I was a franchisee for uh, 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 two restaurants up in Connecticut where I grew up, and, and I loved being a franchisee. I loved what uh, franchising brought, and, and I, I took a lot of that, um, of that both pride in being a franchisee as well as what you have to do to be successful as a franchisee and brought it into the into the CEO job really throughout my career and 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 what I what I looked at when I was a franchisee uh, the you know you were you were part of a national brand there was tools that you that were developed and tested and, and if you use those tools you were you were uh, generally successful in your restaurant but the one thing that I took was the really the attitude around how you run restaurants and how you lead and and for me uh, what I took into the CEO job was really the these four kind of initiatives that we drive the business around uh, around here and with our franchisees and that's you've got to take care of the guest that's first and foremost and 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 what the guest is asking for uh, what they need and what you could do better 
um, is something you have to take very seriously. You've got to build a winning team, whether that's a, a night shift in a restaurant or a, or a department in a, in, a, uh, in a headquarters. It's very important to build that winning team. Uh, you also have to grow. You have to grow the business. And when I was a franchisee, I used to love to go across the street to my competition and see what they were doing. And then as I walked back to my restaurant, I looked at what I could do better in order to beat that competition across the street. And I think that grit that comes from being a franchisee and that willingness to fight corner to corner is something that I've brought into the CEO position. And then lastly, we've got to deliver the financial results, uh, both as a franchisee and as a leader of a franchise business. It's around building profitable sales, and we take that very seriously and, 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 and being able to uh, work very hard to help our franchisees maximize their sales and give them the tools to be successful. Can you maybe give me an example of how you've related to franchisees in a way that's made a difference with their, you know, their overall trust in corporate? Definitely. Uh, first and foremost, it starts with our vision around here. And, and what we did was we looked at what a vision could be for this company. And what we landed on was we wanted to be the global franchisor of choice. If someone wanted to be a franchisee, uh, we wanted them to be our franchisee. And our existing franchisees, we wanted them to feel good about the investment they made in our business. So that's our vision. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. We work very hard to make sure that everything we do goes towards the vision of becoming a global franchisor of choice. So it starts, Shelley, it starts with listening um, and including our franchisees. And I know when I was a franchisee, uh, I liked to be included in the decision-making and the strategy of, of where we were going uh, as a brand. So we do that here. We include both our franchise association and other franchisees in what we have to do and to, to be able to drill, drive those profitable sales. So it starts with listening and including them in the planning process and the testing. Um, and the first thing I did when I took over was we took a franchisee and employee survey. And, and we wanted to know where our opportunities were and what we were doing well so that we can keep building upon those. And what we learned from that survey is we could communicate a little better. Our franchisees sometimes felt as though they weren't communicated with as, as often and as frequently as they'd like to. So uh, we put together what we call the communication tour where my executive team and I went on the road and we spoke to franchisees and we heard where the opportunities were. And then the most important thing from a franchisee is, one, they feel like they're listening, and two, there's action taken out of that. So out of those surveys and out of those visits, we saw that uh, we can communicate a little better uh, through, our, uh, through both our, our intranet inside the company, uh, so we improved upon that. Uh, we do a much better job on how we communicate to the restaurants and to the franchisees. Uh, and with that came in year two of the survey, came a big boost in, in franchisees feeling like they were part of a system that one cared about them and two, they had a voice. So all those things uh, uh, come around the, the halo of listening to our guests, listening to our franchisees, and then taking course corrections to go after those opportunities. So important to be heard, and, and you've demonstrated it, it sounds like, with your franchisees just by responding immediately with stepped-up communication. So that's delightful. 
I'm wondering also how, like, where would you rank franchisee buy-in and trust to churches and Texas chickens overall success as we move into the future? Well, that's where I, I would probably say I'm most proud of. Uh, from year one survey in 2017, the year two survey in 2018, the biggest jumps that we saw from our franchisee survey and some of our employee surveys was that they trust that the, that the leadership is listening to them, they enjoy the business, and they feel like they're part of the process. But we don't sit on that. So that, that is something that um, you have to earn every day. Trust doesn't come in one day and then you get to keep it. So we try to earn that every day. So the things that we try to do to continue to, to build that trust is we have uh, conferences every year with our managers and our franchisees, and, and it's both company and franchise restaurants together, and we celebrate the brand through that. It's not one, one award for company, one award for franchise. It's, it's how we do things together as a brand. We really look very hard at how we can include our franchisees going forward, and then we're very transparent. Uh, you know, my leadership team and I, uh, I, I've really surrounded myself with some of the best people in the business and, and they understand where we're trying to go as a brand. And I think with that comes, whether you're speaking to a manager, to a franchisee, to an executive vice president, uh, they're engaged in the business, they care about what's being said, and we act upon where those opportunities are. Spectacular. Now comes the question, I call the surprise of the audience question. Can you tell us one thing in the year ahead for this brand, for these brands, that will be a focus that might be unexpected or unknown? Well, you know, I don't want to let too much out of the uh, <laughs> out from underneath the tent, but I can tell you one thing: we're going to be bringing it in 2019. Uh, there is a grit and loyalty to our guests and to our employees and to our franchisees that want to win every day and. I got to tell you, Shelly, when I'm out visiting restaurants, which I do often, uh, I have never in my years seen so much pride in what we're doing in the restaurants. You know, we, we have restaurants and communities uh, that uh, other brands have left, and we not only employ, but service those communities, and we take a lot of pride in that, and, the, and our employees in those restaurants take a lot of pride. So I would say in 2019 and what's coming for the brand, you're going to see some great work on the international business as far as growth in some new countries and then maximizing the countries we're already in. We're going to be bringing it domestically where we are going to continue to grow the brand in areas that people are asking for our great chicken. And then thirdly, you know, I think most importantly, there's a lot of companies working on off-premise dining, uh, home delivery. Uh, we have a great product that travels well. You know, when you have as much work and as much sales going through the drive-through as we do, our, our chicken and, and, and honey butter biscuits are already traveling. Now that we give the, the experience as well as the convenience that will bring it to you, um, I say we're going to own delivery in 2019 in many different ways. Wonderful. Thanks so much for talking today. Uh, we will certainly be watching in the ensuing months with some high hopes for you and these stellar brands as well. And I really appreciate your stopping in today. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you for listening and caring about the Churches in Texas brand. 
that, dear listeners, is it for today's podcast. Hope you learned a few things and that you'll tell your pals about our little weekly dive into all things QSR. Next week, I certainly hope you'll bring some more ears with you to the show as we talk to the man behind a huge Las Vegas casino hotel and community complex who recently also became a Starbucks franchisee. And somehow he managed to get the familiar Coffee Center brand's leadership to let him do up his Starbucks location, Vegas style, with a copious amount of dazzle and splash. How he did it and what other limited service brands and franchisees can learn from his experience next Friday here on the QSR Web Podcast. Until then, I wish you a great weekend and even better business. Bye now.